Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, you're all looking at me saying, hey, Katie, get on with it. We're only here for one thing. We wanna know what's going on this year. So for those of you watching online, those in the room, let me get started. And I wanna start by concluding our series that we called Refresh. At the beginning of this year, we just thought it was good to refresh some things and reset some things and realign ourselves with the things that matter most. Because if you don't do that on a regular basis, what happens? We drift. You can drift out of love. You can drift out of a relationship. You can drift out of a marriage. Your kids can drift away. And we have to keep coming back to the things that matter most. And over the last three weeks, we've looked at some of those things. And we started this series by talking about the living purposed. And all of these messages are available to watch or listen to. All you gotta do is go to our app or our website and I'd encourage you not only to re-listen to them, but maybe get them in the hands of your family members and friends because they're really helpful messages. The first one was living purposed. Then I spoke about living powered living empowered through a life surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And then Pastor Danny spoke a brilliant message last week about living planted, being planted in the house. Which brings me now to week number four, the conclusion of this particular series and the setup for Vision Sunday. So we're concluding a series, but we're setting up our Vision Sunday message. So I want you to know, as we're talking, all of a sudden the tone is gonna change. We're gonna be talking specifically about our future mid-preach, okay? So I'm just gonna give you a heads up when it comes to those things. So today we're talking about living partnered. Everyone say living partnered. Living partnered, the fourth and final part of our series, Refresh. And if you would, turn with me to Luke chapter five, either on one of your devices or maybe some of you old school people out there have an actual Bible with pages, please, please, please feel free to turn to that. Or alternatively, look on the screens and you'll see the Scripture appear. Luke chapter 5, and I wanna read the first seven verses. Verse one says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around Him, listening to the Word of God, He saw at the water's edge two boats. Say two boats. Two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who we know as Peter. So Simon in the story is Peter. And he asked him to put it out a little from shore. He then sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon to put into the deep and let the nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, this is an interesting answer. He said, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when we have done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. And so they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they were filled, both boats, so full that they began to sink. Let me just go through this and set the scene for you. Jesus is doing what He does so well and that's preaching and teaching. And whenever Jesus preached and taught the Word of God, the crowds gathered. And as the crowds got larger, Jesus was getting more and more cramped and He wanted to create some room for Himself. And so He looks over and sees two boats that are empty and He goes over to one of them, the one belonging to Peter and says, can we just go out a little bit from shore and I can use your boat as a stage 
just like this one, or a platform in which I can preach. Remember, they didn't have microphones back then, but I don't know if you've ever been on the water. When you speak on the water, the sound travels far. And so Jesus was using the water as a microphone in order for the masses to hear what He was saying. Brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant. So He's standing there and He's teaching from the boat. And Peter's getting a bird's eye view of Jesus teaching. And Peter being Peter's probably thinking, hey, he chose my boat. Why Jesus got in a Peter's boat? That's what we call the sovereignty of God. Jesus chooses who He chooses and He gifts who He gifts. And there's some things you can't do anything to earn that gift or that favour. It's just the sovereignty of God. So Jesus chooses Peter's boat to use as a platform to preach. And when He's finished preaching, He looks over to Peter and says, Hey, Peter, how about we go out even further into the deep and we'll go fishing. Let's go fishing. Now, I want you to know that this is no small ask for Peter. I may be reading into it, but just bear with me. This is no small ask for Peter. One, because he's tired. I think it would be fair to assume when you've been up all night, you're tired. And so Peter's tired. Yes, he's a fisherman, but he's been fishing all night. And so first, it's a big ask because he's tired. Have you ever been asked to do something when you're tired? It's a big ask. Peter's received a big ask. Not only is he tired, but he's also disappointed. You see, he went fishing all night, but he didn't catch anything. So he's tired and he's disappointed. And if we look into the story, he's probably just a little bit annoyed as well because he's just finished washing his nets. It's one thing to wash your nets when you've had a big catch, at least there's a reward. But when you've just washed your nets and you've caught nothing, the last thing you wanna do is sew the nets in again and get them dirty. So he's probably tired. He's probably a little bit disappointed. He's probably a little bit annoyed. And I think if we look into it, he's probably just a little bit insulted because he's the fisherman. Jesus is the carpenter. What would a carpenter know about fishing? Peter says, we've been fishing all night. You don't go fishing in the day. I think I would know when's a good time to go fishing. Jesus, how about you stick to wood? I'll stick to fish. This is no small ask. Let's not just read over the story. Let's look into the story and see why it's such a big ask for Peter. And then his response becomes all the more interesting. If he's tired, disappointed, annoyed, and slightly insulted, his response is all the more interesting. Because we see that Peter doesn't have a hissy fit. Peter actually obeys Jesus. He says to him, you know what? Even though I'm tired, disappointed, slightly annoyed, because you have said so, I will. If we're gonna move into our future, we need to respond not based upon what we think, but based upon what God is saying. And He said, because you say so. And this I know, whenever you follow Jesus, eventually, not every day, not every week, but eventually, if you are a follower of Jesus, eventually He'll ask you to do something that doesn't make sense to you. You may be a new Christian and you may have gotten away with it for a while. You may have been able to do whatever you want. And Jesus is incredibly kind like that. But eventually, when you follow Jesus long enough, there is gonna come a time in your walk with Him that He's gonna ask you to do something that doesn't make sense to you. You're gonna face something that doesn't make sense to you. 2016 for us as a church didn't make a lot of sense to us. And what I've learned is when you don't get an answer to your prayers, the answer is to trust Him. And I came out of 2016 with a greater appreciation and a greater trust for the things of God. I still don't have a lot of answers for that year. And there's lots of things I don't have answers to. But you know what? I don't have to have answers for everything and nor do you. And when you don't get the answers you seek, the answer is to trust Him. 
Do you trust Him? And Jesus is really saying, do you trust me, Peter? And Peter, surprise, surprise, impulsive Peter, actually says, because you have said so, which is, it goes against his character. We see Peter being very impulsive. He was one speaking up, but he surrenders. He humbles himself to Jesus' words and he obeys Him. And interestingly enough, as a result of that, because you say so moment, Peter's prayers were answered. Peter ends up getting what he wants. He gets what every fisherman wants and that's a lot of fish. I mean, this is an answer to prayer. I don't know if you've ever had your prayers answered. Maybe you were praying for that girl. You were praying for that guy. And surprise, surprise, miracle of miracles. You found the girl, you found the guy. And if you haven't, maybe today's the day. Just quickly look around the room. Have a sanctified look around the room. He answered his prayers and he got what he wants. And you would think from that moment on, everything was a-okay. God has answered my prayers. But then the next thing that happened is equally as interesting, Peter's blessing becomes a problem. Peter gets blessed. He got an answer to his prayers. And now the answer to his prayers is causing a problem for him and his boat. He gets a catch that is so large. Everyone say so large. It's so large that his nets begin to break. Isn't it funny how we cry out to God in our lack thinking that if we only had certain things in our lives, everything would be okay. If only I had a husband. If only I had a wife. If only I had children. If only I had a home. And we think the answer is in those answered prayers. But how many know that sometimes unanswered prayers are easier to manage than answered prayers? I mean, when God gives you a husband and when God gives you a wife, I tell you, a lot of problems come with that. Love you, baby. (laughs) And vice versa. When you have kids, a lot of problems, they will break your heart. Kids are beautiful, but gee, they break your heart. They get up to all kinds of mischief and, and you worry about things you never even thought of before having kids. You used to sleep well before you had kids. When you have kids, you're worried all the time. Where are they? You know, they don't sleep at night when they're a baby. When they're old enough to walk, they think, where are they walking? When they're at school, you think, are they really at school? When when they finish school, you think, what are they doing? I mean, there's, there's a lot of worry. There's a lot of problems that come with answered prayer. How many know what I'm talking about today? You see, answered prayer comes with new problems. And, and I believe I believe what God is trying to highlight through this story is show us that whether we are in lack or plenty, God wants us to live in a constant state of dependence on Him and on others. God does not want us to do this journey called life alone. He doesn't wanna do it away from Him or the people He places in our world. I firmly believe with all my heart, whether you are being blessed today or whether you are struggling today, we need God's help. We need to remain dependent upon Him. And what happens next is probably one of the most overlooked miracles in the Bible. I say that because a fisherman gives away his fishing spot. Now, if there are anyone out there that loves fishing, and I know there's not many because it's really, 
It's really a silly thing to do, I think, personally. It's, and it's certainly not a sport. But if that's your thing, all good and well, you can relate to this. But if you find a fishing spot, you, you, you want to guard that thing. You want to protect that thing. You don't want everyone to come and, and, and steal your fishing spot. But here's Peter in such dire need. He gives away his fishing spot and he calls and signals to his partners. There it is. His partners to come and help him. Now, as you know, if you've been coming to this church for the last few weeks and months, and even towards the end of last year, I've been talking that I feel that God is bringing a shift to His church globally and also to our church specifically. And while I'm not here to talk about what God's doing around the world today, I don't have time for that. I do wanna drill down on what I believe God is leading us to for our next season here in this precious church called Victory. And I believe with all my heart that God has placed upon my heart and spoken to me for some time now about this thought of the boats coming together. In this story, we see Peter's boat and John's boat coming together. In other words, there's a deepening of partnership. See, it's not just about living a partnered life. It's about living a deepening of that partnership. It's about going deeper in our understanding of one another. God doesn't want us to have just crowds. God doesn't want us to have superficial relationships. He wants to take our relationships and our partnerships to another level. And these are the things that I've been feeling that God has placed upon my heart. A coming together of the boats, a deepening of the partnership. A partnership that is number one, a relational partnership. Say with me, relational partnership. A relational partnership. You see, Peter didn't call over just any boat. You'll notice he called over a boat that he was in partnership with. A, a, a boat that he was working together with already. This was a decision of Peter's that was birthed out of humility, and relationship. Yeah. Peter gets a bad rap about how impulsive he is. But this is a, this is a very humble Peter to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe that's why God could continue to use Peter the way he did because he humbled himself and he asked for help. So it was a decision that was built upon humility yeah. Yeah. and yeah. relationship. If you've been in this church a little while, you would know that I value relationships highly. It's, it's a big value of ours. And over the years, we've had some incredible relationships. I thank God for the uh, apostolic input we've had from the very early days of our church. I thank God for the practical help that we have received. I thank God for the friendship that we've had. I thank God for the fun that we've had. Kath and I can vouch for the fun we've had with our apostolic friends around the nation and we're still in great relationship with them. And as a non-denominational church, these relationships have been incredibly crucial to our journey. But how many would agree with me that we live in a changing world? Which means what once worked may not work now or into the future. And this is what's been on my heart, thinking about our future. Because when we planted this church some 27 years ago and Pastor Danny and Sharon are here today and they can vouch for this, but it was a different world. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, we did not have Sunday trading. I know some of you young ones cannot believe the shops were actually shut on a Sunday, but they were. In actual fact, they weren't even open on Saturday afternoon. Is there anyone in the building that can remember the fact that we only had half day trading on a Saturday and no trading on a Sunday? I mean, happy days. Some of you couldn't imagine. What, what, what did you do? 
we spoke to each other. I mean, <laughs> it was a different world. I didn't have a mobile phone. We started, this is gonna blow your mind. We started this church and I didn't own a computer. I, I, I mean, I didn't have a computer and, and maybe some of you out there can relate to this. Not only that, the laws are changing. And as a result of all these changing, we felt that we need a greater accountability and a deeper partnership, a deeper relationship. On top of that, I'm thinking about our future and I wanna set the next generation up for a win. The next generation should not have to fight the same battles that I've had to fight. Those of you who know me know that I'm a fighter. If you talk about fight, flight or freeze, I don't know what category you fit into, but I, I fit into the fight category. I'm the guy that many years ago when I was dating Catherine, we was at roller skating and I got wind that young, a guy had come to the skating rink that day to beat me up with his seven mates. I thought, bring it on. And uh, all my friends got wind of it. They all left me. And this guy, yeah, thank you very much. All my friends left. And, and, and this particular guy had his friends and they were waiting out the front. And I, I remember coming out this skate line and I was so mad about my friends leaving that I was ready just to rip and tear. And so I thought, I'm not gonna walk around them and give them the excuse to say I ran away. I thought, I'm just gonna go right in the middle of them. And I had my girlfriend's hand, Kath, sorry about that behaviour. I, I was just in the zone. I just grabbed Kath and I, said, and I, just I barged in this little circle and I said, so apparently you have a problem with me. Now, I don't think I would have won the fight. It wasn't about winning, it was just about fighting. And, and, and uh, I was just so livid that my friends had left me. I, I think I put, I, God and, and God supernaturally protected me at the time that He said, no, 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 it's all good, fine. Have a great night, Tony. And I just walked out of that and said, and nothing happened, which was a godsend because I may not be here today had that gone ahead. <laughs> and, and so I, 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 I'll fight. And I think God has put a fight in me. And that's why we planted a church when other churches weren't planting churches. And, and, and that's why we've been able to do some things that uh, maybe was not the assignment of their church. And I think it's what makes Victory Church unique and beautiful. It doesn't mean I haven't made my mistakes. It doesn't mean I haven't picked fights that I shouldn't have picked. And, and I would certainly own the fact that I have picked some fights I should not have picked. I, I'm sure God says, well, what are you doing? I didn't want you to do that. But, but, uh, but that's part of who I am. And, and as I look forward to our future, I think, man, I do not want our children I do not want either biological or spiritual sons and daughters of ours to have to fight the same fights, face the same battles. They will have their battles to face, but they've got to be different ones. I remember before Jordan got married, my desire for every one of our kids before they get married, I want them to learn everything they need to learn in our home so that their future husband and wife will not have to um, um, teach them or raise them in a way that I should have. They'll have new journeys, they'll have new things that need to learn. And so I think that's my place as a, as a dad, but also as a pastor of this house. And so we've been talking about how do we go deeper in our relationships, not only for our present, but also for our future. Many of you would know that we have an incredible relationship with Pastor Paul and Marie Dion, who lead an incredible church called Life. And they've been an incredible blessing to us. It was nine years ago that Kath and I flew over to New Zealand. We knocked on their door and basically we said, hey, is Paul and Marie playing? Which isn't a concept for the younger ones, but that's what we used to do growing up. We'd knock on the door and ask if so-and-so was playing. Remember when we had friends on the same road? And that's effectively what we did. And, and I didn't know if that was gonna be a one-off meeting, but to the kindness and grace 
that Paul and Marie showed us. We just developed a friendship and they've become very near and dear to us. And uh, we are better leaders as a result of their input and friendship. We as a church are a better church because of their friendship and leadership. And I'm so grateful for them. And uh, over the last few years, and even more recently, last 18 months, we've talked about our future. We've talked about the possibilities of what could it look like if, if these two boats came together. And we started dreaming, we started talking, we, we started asking questions. And we talked about taking our relationship to another level. This is a relational partnership. And what could it look like if the two became one? What would it look like if we became a life? And we lost the name victory and embraced the name life. And what could that look like? What could it look like if we became a campus here in this city, Adelaide, under the banner of life? Much like what takes place when two people are in love and they date for a period of time and they take it to the next level and they get married. And, and, and uh, just as we saw with our daughter, she gave over her surname to Nathaniel's surname and, and they've become one and, they, and they, they work together, they live together. And we've been talking about this for about 18 months or so. And, and as I say this, I want you to know that this, this has not come out of a platform of a dump and run. When you start talking about these kinds of things happening, I realise it, it, it raises questions and those questions are usually based upon what you've seen. They're usually based upon what you've experienced in your past or in your history. And so for me, this is not a dump and run. This is not Kath and I saying, we're out of here. We love this church and we wanna continue on as pastors in this church. If there's one thing I know that hurts the body of Christ more than anything else, it's when people have been on staff or key positions of leadership and they just leave. It hurts the body of Christ and I will not put the church through that kind of pain. We are not going anywhere. We are here for this season. But to speak on behalf of Paul and Marie, it's not a snatch and grab. And that's the other thing people think of in these moments. This is something that is birthed out of a deep relational reality. And so as a life campus here in Adelaide, we would draw off each other's strengths. See, it's not only a relational partnership. Secondly, it's a resourcing partnership. It's a resourcing partnership. Say resourcing partnership. You see, Peter and John were able to help each other. They were able to add strength to one another. And that's why we themed this year, strength to strength. We feel we want to make this decision, uh, this, this decision from a position of strength. And we realise by linking arms with life, we will go from strength to strength. And that's what I believe. This is such an incredible partnership that we will be stronger together. Probably the best illustration of what it could look like. And if you've been around the church for a couple of years, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's Christmas box. Christmas Box was an initiative from Life in New Zealand. And we got on board with their initiative. And uh, Crystal, who spearheaded the Christmas Box project, will be the first to tell you, we could categorically 100% never have been able to do it without the help and input of Life. Yeah. But this I also know, 
Life would never have been able to do Christmas box in Adelaide without our help, our organisation, our hands on the ground. And so it really is a beautiful partnership working together, drawing off each other's strengths. Some of you might say, well, well, that's good, I like it, but can't we continue as we are? And I would say, I, I think we could. I think we could continue as we are. But the better question is, at what cost? At what cost could we continue to work together? What time, what energy, what effort would it draw from us as a church to achieve all that we want to achieve? And I believe in partnership with life, we can do things better, quicker, easier, and it can be more enjoyable. Life can be hard at times, but it shouldn't be as hard as some of us make it. Marriage can be hard, but it shouldn't be as hard as some people make it. And church can be hard, but it shouldn't be as hard as some people make it. This is not just a, 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 a leap of faith, although there is faith involved in it. Behind the scenes, we've had some of our key staff who have been aware of this decision. And so we've been intentionally dating with life and, and we've been meeting with their teams on a regular basis through Zooms and FaceTime conversations and getting some help behind the scenes. And if I was to get different staff members up here, they would be able to tell you, and maybe you can catch up with them after the service, how helpful that life have been, particularly behind the scenes. In actual fact, church will go on as normal for the most part. There'll be a few obvious changes, but for the most part, it'll be church as usual. But where we're going to receive the biggest help is this behind the scenes, and our staff are going to be the beneficiaries of that. And a happy staff and a healthy staff makes for a happier, healthier church. And so again, after this service, feel free to catch up with some of those key staff members because they've had some interaction with the life team for numerous months now, which is good. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine says it this way. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labour. And that whole passage of Scripture in Ecclesiastes is really helpful in making this decision. And you can read that in your own time. Just as I'm better for cat in my world, I mean, I'm a better person. I achieve so much more being married than when I was single. And so Kath is a better woman for me in her life because she's able to achieve more because two are better than one. And so as a life campus in Adelaide, we would also be part of a bigger story. You see, not only is it a relational partnership, not only is it a resourcing partnership, but it's also a rewarding partnership. It's also a rewarding partnership. I want you to catch this thought. And this is the biggest part of this decision. It's all about the catch. It's all about the catch. Can you imagine Peter saying, I, I know I'm not gonna humble myself. We can do this by ourselves. He probably would have lost a lot. But when you make it about something other than yourself and you make it about what matters most, God commands a blessing. I let our board know a number of months ago what we were thinking. Before we'd made the decision, I just said what we were thinking. And Jesse, who's on the third row there, one of our board members, he said, Tony, with all due respect, as a businessman, I could never do that with my business. And I've asked if I could share this. He's given me his permission. He actually said, can I do anything to help? I said, if you let me say this, this would be help enough. And he said, Tony, with all due respect, I could not do this with my business. And I looked him fair square in the eyes. I said, Jesse, that's the difference between what you do and what I do. I said, you see, this was never my church. 
I went on to say, this has never been my church. And if I stay at the helm for another 100 years, it still will never be my church. It never has. It never was. And it never will be my church. And for me, all the decisions I've tried to make over the 27 years, I haven't got it all right, but I've always tried to make the decision based upon what's best for the church. If this was about me, this is a bad choice to get into ministry. Because for all we've acquired over 27 years, I, I walk away. I own nothing. It's not a good business decision. But that's ministry. It's never about us. It's always about the catch. It's always about people. I shared this with our oldest daughter, Jordan, first. I, started, I think I shared it about a, a year ago. We talked about it. I shared about the possibilities. It wasn't a decision, just the possibilities. It was a weird day. We were in lockdown and she was just walking past. I said, hey, George, can I just get, grab you for two minutes? I said, hey, what do you think of this idea? It was just like a random, she's like, okay, if we're going to talk, we'll sit down. So she sits down. And do you know first responses are telling responses? Do you know the first thing that came out of her mouth? She said, Dad, that's so typical of you. Putting the church first. Seems like a great decision based on that alone. And I thought, wow, what a great response. Mitchie, who's watching online. Hi, Mitch. Mitch made me cry this morning. He sent me this text. I just burst into tears. But Mitchie, he's obviously in New Zealand. He's immersed in the church there at Life. And I'm so grateful for Pastor Paul and Marie, not only looking after him, but giving him opportunities. Scott Thornton, who housed him for a number of weeks, along with his beautiful wife, Amanda. And others have just been so kind, so good. I think, yeah, we really are better together. A couple of months after talking to Geordie about it, yes, Mitch, I told you George, your sister first. He said, Dad, I get it. I look at what we do at Victory. I look at what we do here at Life and it just fits. Wow. And then about a month ago, I asked our 14-year-old BJ, so, hey, sweetie, what do you think of this idea? And she goes, ah. Now, she's our more sensitive one. And there's nothing wrong with that. And she goes, it's good. And I, thought she wanted to, I thought she wanted to say something. So I said, and? She goes, ah, oh, little sad. Little sad. And I said to her, sweetie, you're allowed to feel whatever you want. And it feels a little sad to you. I get that. I've had those moments. And then I took her through the journey. I said, do you remember when Jordan got married? Now, with all due respect to the incredible young man that she married, and Nathaniel is an incredible young man. There's many things I love about Nathaniel, but one is the fact that he's got a great work ethic. He knows how to treat a woman and he can laugh at himself. <laughs> I know it's not overly spiritual, but there are things I look for as a dad when you're gonna marry my daughter. You have gotta be able to laugh at yourself. And with all due respect to him, when Jordan got married, it was a little sad. 
because our family dynamic changed. We were a close-knit family. We do family around the dinner table and, and we laugh and we joke and a lot of those jokes end up being at Kath's expense. It's just what we do. It's just... For those of you who have the Five Love Languages book, I'm going to write a new version of that, Six Love Languages, because sarcasm is a love language. <laughs> Get onto it, people. Anyway, and so she said she was a little sad. And I said, remember Jordan, a little bit sad. I said, remember when Mitchie left for New Zealand? I said, we were a little sad. Because again, the family dynamic changed. But I said, BJ, let's be honest. With Jordan and Nat together and Mitch in New Zealand, it's only got better for them. It's only got better for them. It's not about us. It's not about us keeping what we want. It's about what's best for them and their future. It's not all about us, church. It's not all about you. It's not all about me. It's about the cat. And so I don't know what this does for you. I realise there are some people who have been with us from day one. There's some people in this room who were there 27 and a bit years ago in that little hall at Sunnybrook Drive. You were there. And you've seen the family dynamic church change as it's got larger and larger over the years. And I thank God for your grace and your patience with me in all the mistakes I've made. I thank you so much for your willingness to adapt and morph as the church has had to change. And church, as much as I love this church as it is, it has to change. Change is imperative if we are to move forward as a church. The question is, what does that change look like? And so for us, this is what we've been wrestling with God. We know change is in the air. We know a shift is about to take place. But what is God saying in all of this? And so the two real questions I ask is, number one, is God in it? Is God in it? And... I'm here to tell you today that there is a difference between a God idea and a good idea. And so this is what I can tell you. Number one, I felt God speak to me out of this passage that I've read to you today, Luke chapter five. I felt God speak to me as a result and as an answer to what's our future look like God. But even that wasn't enough to act on. People say, God said, I, I get nervous that God said. Do you know when you say God said, it gives no right for anyone to speak into it. If I feel God said something to me, I'm always gonna say, I feel like God's saying. And so there was a, I felt like God's saying in Luke chapter five. I spent a lot of time praying about it. We spent a lot of time talking about it. Paul and Marie can tell you that we've had a lot of discussions about this. Scott Thornton can tell you we've had a lot of discussions about this. Pastor Danny, who's seated here today on the front row, knows that we've spoken about this. This is not just a drop and run. This is not a snatching grab. This is not just, I feel. This is something that we've submitted in prayer, submitted in conversation, taken to apostolic leadership, which is the way every decision should be made when a church is looking to make shifts like we are. It can't just be out of your feeling. You might feel good, you might feel bad, but that's not enough to make a good godly decision. I've already mentioned 
that our key staff have known for some time. They've been intentionally dating, spending time. Our general manager spending time with their general manager. Our creatives spending time with their creatives. Our communications spending time with their communications. Our pastoral team spending time with their key pastoral team. Seeing if, if it's a good fit. Because I didn't want it to be just a me, I want it to be a we. And I said to our core staff, I said, is this, is this a we? Are we are, is this a decision we are making or is it just still me? And that key staff categorically said, it's a, it's a we. We see the value of it. The other one is that it's a well-rested decision. I said to Paul at the end of last year, I need a holiday. The missing piece was, am I just tired? Everything seemed right. All the conversations were going well. The Scripture was in place. The prayers were there. But I still wanted to make a fresh decision, not a tired one. And so we had six weeks off. And I gotta be honest with you, I had a great six weeks off. Kath and I did very little. We didn't fill our time with going here, going there, doing this, doing that. People say, what did you do? I said, not much. I just wanted to be well rested in making this decision. To lead a company of people that I love dearly on a tired decision or on a whim or an excited decision would just be poor leadership. And I, I, said, I, I said, God, I don't, I don't want any more thoughts. I just, I just, I, I just, I, I dialed out. I just, I just wanted to make sure that I was rested. And so I came back six weeks later and even your observation of Kath and I since we've been back is, wow, you, 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 look, you look rested, you, you seem rested and we are. And the final piece of the puzzle is the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. That's the ruler of our hearts. And so is it God? When I add, if I take one of those things, I can't say it's God. When I add all of those things together, I say, church, I feel that God is leading us to become a life campus in Adelaide that we can join forces, that we can join our collective strengths and have a bigger catch. Because at the end of the day, both Peter's boat and John's boat were filled with fish. Pastor Paul and Pastor Marie, we're the first to tell you, there's a lot more fish in New Zealand that need saving. There's a lot more precious people in Australia that need saving. This is not a decision I've made based upon me and what I think and what I feel. Even though I feel good about it, I had my tears this morning, but they were good tears, they were godly tears. See, I don't have all the answers, but this I know. Just as Abraham handed over his son to be sacrificed, you think about that. And you think about what that looked like. Abraham got his son to carry the wood that was gonna create the fire to sacrifice him. That seems really unfair. That seems unfair to get the son who you're gonna kill to carry his own wood to his death. But church, which would you rather carry, the wood or the weight of having to kill your son? This is a weighty decision, but it's a good decision and it's a godly decision. And as we hand this church into its next, this I know, just as God provided for Abraham, He will provide for me, 
He will provide for Kath. He will provide for our family. He will provide for this church. And He will provide for every need if we humble ourselves and let God be God. As far as what it could look like, which is the next question. Well, Kath and I will continue to love you and continue to lead you. Albeit that we will no longer be your senior pastors, but we'll be your lead pastors, which is quite ironic because we used to be called lead pastors back in the day. But personally, I don't care what you call me. I never have. Newsflash, I never wanted to be in ministry in the first place anyway. But we will be here and we will not run because that does so much damage to the body of Christ. Why? Because we dearly, dearly love you. As a church, we will operate as a church within a church. That's the language Paul's been using. We'll be a life campus, but essentially being here in Australia, it will be run differently than the campuses in New Zealand. And we'll have a lot of autonomy, but with greater accountability. And can I tell you what's happened to me? As we've been handing over all of our data, all of our financials, all of our numbers, I felt freer and freer and freer. See, some of you are also bound up because you don't understand biblical accountability. True accountability is you giving account for your ability. That's what accountability is. And when you have given your account for the ability, that's where freedom comes. And we've got a lot of strengths, we've got some weaknesses and life have loved us through our strength and our weaknesses. And I'm so grateful for that because that's what true relationship is. It's loving us in our best and at our worst. And I'm so appreciative of Pastor Paul, Marie and the team at Life. And so we're looking at a three month rollout plan of how this could look. And so on the first Sunday of each month, so this one is the 4th of April, which is my dad's birthday. He'll be 86. So on dad's 86th birthday, <laughs> we'll be changing all things digital. So that's when Instagram accounts, social media, websites, emails, you'll start seeing a shift. You'll start seeing a change. And as these changes take place, it's gonna hit you differently. It'll hit me differently. And that's okay. Just don't be led by your feelings. We need to be people who are led by faith. But you're allowed to have the feelings. So that's April 4. May 2nd, where we'll start seeing things change internally. It's the volunteers. You'll see different T-shirts. You'll see teams and ministry wearing different things and, and, and saying different things. That, that's when that change will take place. And then on the 6th of June, you'll start seeing the building, the external signage and internal signage start to change. That's the rollout plan that we've given ourselves so that we don't put too much pressure on ourselves. Having said that, if it happens sooner, all good and well. I need you to know, I love this church. I love the name Victory, but I'm just not precious about it. I'm just not precious about that. In actual fact, I think there's so many great names now. I would rename our kids if I could. I just, I, I mean, when the Dwyers named their little girl Goldie, I thought, what a great name, Goldie. I said, hey, George, do you want to change your name to Goldie? I, and so what else do I need to say? It's pretty much, pretty much it. But I think it might be nice to hear from Pastor Paul himself. So why don't you turn your attention to the screen and this is Pastor Paul Dion. 
Well, what a real honor it is to be connecting today. We've known your pastors, Tony and Kath, for many, many years. And every time Marie and I have got with them, there's been a synergy and a togetherness. And we're excited by what God is leading us to. Over many years, in fact, 30 years here in New Zealand at Life, we've seen God lead us through seasons. And often those times come kind of out of nowhere and they feel different. But you know that God's in it. And in that season, particularly the season of saying yes to God, we've always seen expansion and development. I feel like there is no doubt in our minds, along with your pastors, that God is bringing us together. There's a togetherness that's going to provide strength, strength of vision, strength of horsepower to see God's kingdom touch the world. We're in a world with so much need. And I know their hearts with our hearts is we don't want to just keep doing the same thing. We want to follow God. Recently, God has been speaking to me out of Genesis 22, where God said to uh, Abraham and to Sarah, he said, listen, you need to follow what I'm asking you to do. And it was kind of left of center to give over their son. But when they were obedient to go all the way as to what God was saying, there was the response of God, which was this, because you have done this thing, I will multiply you. I will see you expand. And I do believe that God is in this coming together and on the other side of that obedience, there is going to be accelerated kingdom expansion. And so just from our hearts to yours, you may not have heard about this. And today is a surprise, but just stop for a moment and say, God, are you in this? Is this a season? And together we can see the effective reach of what God is doing go so much further. We're excited to be a part of saying yes to God. And so Marie and I and the whole life family are saying, we are here, whatever you want to do, God. And as we come together and we see God build both what he is doing in Australia, there in Adelaide, here in Auckland and in Melbourne, we're believing it's the beginning of so much more. So can I pray? Father, I thank you that you're a God that takes us on a journey. And yet when we say yes, and when we are obedient to your call, miracles happen. And so we give you our hearts. We give you the future. We give you all that needs to take place. And Holy Spirit, we simply ask, would you lead us? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 As far as the branding, if we can just have the logo of life behind me. We won't be known as Life Church, but we'll be known as Life. A church to call home. If you want to know more about Life and you want to get online and have a look, the website's just behind me. It's lifenz.org. Please feel free to look at that. And if you have any further questions, just contact the office and we'll love to spend the time with those who want that time, need that time, or have any questions so that we can do this journey together. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 